This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 231, and I'm talking with Brittany Charbonneau. Brittany placed 13th at the Olympic Marathon Trials this past weekend in Atlanta, and she ran a time of 233.14, which was a three-minute PR. I had the wonderful opportunity to spectate the race and got to see Brittany numerous times on the course. I did not know who she was, but was so excited to see her every single time because she looked so happy from how fun her outfit was to the smile on her face from ear to ear, from start to finish. She was someone I knew I'd want to talk to after the race. So she is from Colorado. She lives in Denver and get this, she's a comedian and she teaches improv. She's also a running coach and I had so much fun getting to know her in this episode. She has a certain way about how she approaches life and training and running races and you're going to hear all about that in this episode and she will leave you feeling inspired and motivated to make the decision to choose joy every single day. You all can find her on Instagram. She's funnyrunner26.2. She's a happy person. She want, makes me want to be a happy person. So uh, anytime I get the chance to talk to Brittany from now on, I'm going to make sure I jump on it. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Lily Trotters, my favorite compression sock. Lily Trotters has been a supporter of this podcast for several years now, and not only are they super cute, they work really well. Now, this is exciting. Lily Trotters has partnered up with another one of my sponsors, Defunctify. So for the month of March, every order will receive two free six load samples of Defunctify's liquid laundry detergent. So when you go to lilytrotters.com, you can grab yourself a super cute pair of compression socks, Use the code ANOTHER at checkout for 25% off any regularly priced items, and you will also get the opportunity to try out Defunctify. Again, that's lilytrotters.com. Use the code ANOTHER at checkout for that 25% off regularly priced items, and you'll get to receive two free six-load samples of Defunctify, my favorite liquid laundry detergent. And another exciting piece of news, Lily Trotters officially starts shipping out their crew socks this Thursday. Big thanks to Lily Trotters for supporting this podcast. And when you support a sponsor of this show, you are directly supporting my work. So for that, I thank you. All right. And if you are enjoying this podcast and you enjoy this episode, please consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. That is one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. And if you really love this episode, take a screenshot, share it with your friends on social media and let them know that this is one to tune into. All right. Enjoy my conversation with Brittany Charbonneau. All right. Well, today on the podcast, I'm so excited to have uh, the first post Olympic trials interview with Brittany Charbonneau. So welcome to the podcast, Brittany. All right. Thanks for having me. Okay. 
I have to tell you this. First of all, I saw you a million times on the course (laughs) and you were smiling from ear to ear every time we saw you. Yep. And secondly, I was at the Westin after the race and I saw your welcome party back. Oh, right. Yeah, because we were like, we heard your, it must have been your all your friends and family cheering as you walked in. And we're like, who is that? Who is that? And some, I don't know how, oh, we saw, uh, they had signs with your name. So we looked you up on Instagram. Amazing. <laughs> and I was like, I have my recording stuff. Should I just go over there and stick a microphone oh. in her face? <laughs> oh, we should have. We totally should have done that. I didn't want to ruin your moment with your family though. I wanted you to like experience that. Oh, they would have been losing their mind had that happened. <laughs> they were already like, what's going on? So, um, but no, I'm glad you got to see them and I'm glad that, um, we're doing this now. Yeah. So let's kind of start with sharing with the listeners a little bit about your story for those of you who might not be, some listeners might not be familiar with your story. So who is Brittany? Yeah. So I am, um, born and raised, um, in Denver, Colorado. So that's where I'm at now. And, um, I've been here pretty much my whole life. I started running when I was in eighth grade because it was the popular, fun, cool thing to do. Um, and I turns out I was decent at this thing called the mile. And so my coaches recommended I do this other thing called cross country in high school. And I had no idea of course what that was, but decided to run cross country and track all throughout high school. And I was very, very run of the mill, type of runner. I wasn't setting any records. I wasn't, you know, on tops of podiums or winning any races at all. Um, so I didn't think that I had any chance at running in college. So I didn't run for Colorado state my first two years of college, but I had a friend that told me about title nine and told me about what walking on means and that you don't have to be a scholarship athlete to still train and compete in college. And so I actually walked on to the cross country and track teams at Colorado state, my junior year, junior and senior years of college. Um, and was just not very, again, not accomplishing anything. And I was the, that was probably my low point mentally was back in college. I was just in constant comparison mode and, you know, just really not enjoying running. I just felt all this pressure that I was putting on myself. Um, so after that, I decided I wanted to dabble in the marathon distance and ran my first marathon to try and qualify for the Boston Marathon. And I barely squeaked by with a minute and a half to go for the qualifying time that year. And it kind of had just has snowballed from there. I've just started to just started to run more marathons, really loved training. And then it was a couple of years ago, I decided I wanted to try and win my very first half marathon. Um, and so I did that and then that led to trying to win a marathon here in Denver and it's really just snowballed for the past couple of years. So the past, I would say two and a half years have just been kind of a whirlwind of progression, um, into this elite world and where I'm at now. So it's been a long time in the making, but also things are very, very short. And I feel like I'm just kind of barely jumping off in terms of my pro career. So yeah, that's kind of a snapshot of of my running um, background. Well done. That was a really good snapshot. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Um, so you ran the 233, which yeah. on that course, and you PR'd by three minutes. Yeah. Um, and I've heard that you didn't look at your watch. You had your watch taped. 
I had my watch taped. Yep, I did that. So I ran Houston, the Houston half last month, and I hadn't looked at my watch. So I ran the Marine Corps Marathon back in October. I won that, and I had set the goal to break the course record there, but I let all of that pressure get on top of me, and I found myself during that entire race just constantly checking my watch, stressed out about pace. And finally at mile like 22, my coach made me give me, made me give her my watch at that point. And so after Marine Corps, it was okay. Obviously we need to adjust because I'm putting so much pressure on myself just with pace. And then knowing that the trials course was so hilly and so difficult, it really wasn't going to come down to pace anyway. So we just started playing around with just training based on effort. And so that's what I had done pretty much all season. And then so I wouldn't be tempted. I taped my watch at Houston and it worked so well. I had a PR there as well. And so I was like, great, I'm going to do the same for trials. And I'm so thankful that I did that because it really just let me be in the moment and just focusing on what, how my own body and how my own effort was feeling. Yeah. So did you set the course record at Marine Corps? No, I didn't. Um, But you still won. Yeah, I still won, but didn't set the record. What did you run? I ran a 2.44, I think. Okay. And what was your PR going into that? 2.36. Okay. How many marathons have you ran? I think I think trials was my 10th. Okay. I should have said how many marathons have you run. That was the proper way to say it, right? Oh, how many have I run? And then how many have I won? No, I said <laughs> I was correcting my grammar. Oh, okay. Because I said ran instead of run, and then I realized it afterwards. <laughs> when you run to the Marine Corps Marathon. <laughs> um, okay, so so you said you, you've done 10? I think so. I'm pretty sure trials was my 10th. Okay, so 236 was your PR going into the trials. Yep. Okay, so and then in Houston, uh, when, you know, seems like almost every single person in the field ran Houston, what did you run in Houston? I ran a 113 um, and some change, and it was a four-second PR, which I was very proud of. Yeah. Did you know it was going to PR be a PR until you got to the finish line since you weren't looking at your watch? No, I didn't. I My goal for Houston was to – I was really working on my mental strategy and just my overall race strategy in Houston, so I actually really wasn't worried about pace or time for that matter. So um, the fact that I did PR there, that was just kind of icing on the cake but definitely wasn't part of my uh, A goals. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Atlanta. So, yeah, yeah, you're the first person that I've got to kind of rehash the race with. So I'm really excited to hear all about the start, the course, the hydration stations, the packs, all the things. So uh, let's start from the beginning. It was such a late start time, noon. Uh, What time did you get up and what did your morning look like? So I woke up, I had grand plans to sleep in, but I woke up just naturally around 445, (laughs) just awake. And so, um, I have a routine that I read, I read a book that's got, um, just like a, not a fiction book. You know what I mean? Like I read like a, any kind of business book or self-improvement book or anything. I kick my day off with coffee and, um, at least 10 pages out of a book. So I was just reading and then um, got up and when they finally opened up our athletes breakfast, went down around seven and had breakfast. And then we just had so much time to kill in the morning. But luckily, I had practiced that in training because 
I needed to figure out if I was going to be eating lunch before we raced or what that looked like. So I, I actually did that strategically a few times in training to practice. What is it going to be like just waiting around? And so my sister actually came over. Um, she was staying in a different hotel and she came over to hang out with me. Cause that's what we had done all during training was we would, I would stay at her house because she lives out on a bunch of Hills. So I would stay at her house and then we would hang out in the morning and then run together or I would leave for my long run a little bit later. So she came over and we hung out and then it was still trying to kill time. So, um, I put on Dolly Parton and was Mm -hmm. just dancing in my hotel room (laughs) in my race outfit in the window, uh, dancing to Dolly Parton that morning. (laughs) (laughs) I saw your Instagram videos. That's, that's when I saw you in the Westin. I was like, who is this? And then I, we looked you up and we all, we were all sitting like 20 feet from you watching your Instagram video. (laughs) So, you know, what's so funny is at that exact same Weston, there was this other couple that had said that they had seen the same thing. They were this like older Southern couple, just so sweet. And they, he said, he goes, yeah, we saw you dancing in your underwear in this video. And I was like, oh no, no, that was not my underwear. That was what I ran around the entire city in. <laughs> I was like, that's just our race outfits. That's so funny. Yeah. I, I was like, she would probably think it's really weird if she saw us sitting over here watching this video right now. No, I would have loved it and probably done a reenactment. <laughs> That's so great. Well, okay. I want to know, so you placed 13th. So I, I remember seeing you on the course because you had a really bright outfit with your hat and everything, your visor, like it was, you, you stood out. So I remember seeing you and this was before I knew who you were, but I'm curious, placing 13th, you know, that pack in the race was huge until what, maybe mile 20. I last saw the pack at mile 17. And then of course the bar we were in, there wasn't like great, everybody's talking about how there wasn't great coverage. So we didn't actually get to see when women split off. But I feel like when I saw you, you were kind of alone a lot of the time. Am I remembering that wrong? Uh no, that's correct. Um, and from what I remember as well, yeah, the it was certainly jam-packed for the first, I bet you probably around the first lap at least, which was eight miles. Um, and then the lead pack really took off. There was that, you know, solid lead pack, but that wasn't my strategy. And I knew that if I went with them, I would burn out and also I would get in my head. And so I kind of intentionally hung back. And so for the most part of the race, they were all in view, but then it did get pretty separated. And then for, you know, probably I would say the grand majority of the middle and end of the race, it was, um, Sarah Sellers and I were running together and it was kind of, she and I leapfrogging each other for the, for the remainder of the race. So I was pretty alone, but then, um, luckily I had Sarah there for a lot of it. That was, that she and I were kind of helping push and pull each other. Did you guys talk at all? Like any like short words of encouragement or anything? Um, No, not until she took off at mile 23, I want to say. So the last three miles of that course, she was an absolute animal. She just was so strong. And so she passed me around the, I want to say the 23 or 24 mile mark. And I knew I couldn't go with her. And so I just said like, get after it, Sarah. And she took off. So, Mm. um, that was kind of it. And then I had messaged her or I saw her at the finish line and just, you know, thanked her and then sent her a message after. And just, she just, I'm just so proud of her. She just is got such a cool story that she's doing as well. And 
seeing her out there and racing with her. We raced together at the 2018 New York marathon and, um, we're close to each other there as well. So it's kind of been fun to be able to race with her again and having, having, being able to work off of each other. Yeah. She had a great race. I, Oh man. And she seriously, like when she took off at mile 20, it was 23 or 24. I, she was so strong and I was just like, I don't know how she's doing it. And, uh, that was really cool. Cause she was just a beast. Yeah, we saw, I mean, we saw her and you finishing, both of you finishing, you both looked really strong. Um, she was definitely like gritting it out and to place 11th, like I, I was super proud of her. And then I, I heard her talk about it afterwards and she said she PR'd by one second, which I know, I know you PR'd by three minutes, but man, on that course, any PR is huge. Take it. Absolutely. Yeah. Talk to me about the course. Did it feel super windy? You know, it, it did, but I didn't ever feel like it was a, the wind was never something that I remember thinking, how am I going to do this? Or that this is holding me back. I was, <laughs> the only thing I remember about the wind was please don't blow my visor off. <laughs> having to hold my visor on and I really wanted to keep it. And so, um, no, the wind for me, I didn't quite, I felt it certainly, but I didn't think about it at all. And we had done, so the, it's funny, the day before I left the the Wednesday last week, I left on Thursday morning, the Wednesday I, before I left, it was so windy and cold here. And I had mile repeats that day, um, just kind of a last workout to do and went out and it was miserable, but I, and I just powered through. And so I'm just so thankful I had that. And when I heard it was going to be windy on race day, I was really grateful because I was like, well, I've done it. So you know, and you can't fight it. So you kind of just have to think about it as it's part of it. And then the other thing I kept telling myself too, was if you have a headwind, that means you always get it at your back. Mm -hmm. So just fight through it here and then you'll get the reward, um, at a later stretch where it's at your back. Yeah. I feel like it would be challenging to stick to that race plan where you knew that if you went with the pack that you'd probably blow up, but being alone had to be, almost equally as intimidating because it's just easier when you can work with people. So how did you feel, you know, when you didn't have Sarah and, you know, they're blocking the wind from each other a little bit too, when they're in that big pack. Yeah. Um, well I trained by myself here in Denver. So for me, it almost felt better because I felt like I was just kind of on my own long run that day. Like, uh, like I would be during any training run here. So, um, it was actually not bad. And I think I was just, that's what it felt like. It felt like I was on my own long run here, but I got all of that energy from the crowd. So I really never felt alone. And there were amazingly, there were so many people throughout the course that of course my big group of family and friends that were there were all kind of in that big group. But then there were several other people throughout the course that I knew and that who knew me and that were, I could lock eyes with and they were cheering me on. So I, I never really felt alone, even though I was out there running solo for a while. So, um, yeah, for me, it didn't feel any, it didn't feel lonesome. I love, I love your mentality. Um, you know, you covered your watch and your watch said surrender to joy. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I think after Marine Corps, I didn't, I was realizing that I wasn't 
leaning into why I love running so much. And that's something we've been working on all year. And I just keep coming back to the gratitude piece of, I get to do this. This is not anything like we're not solving world problems with running. And so it's just such a gift that we get to do it. So I think I just keep coming back to that. And then there was a time after Marine Corps. And as I started to get into the trial season, that I started to feel some pressure that I was putting on myself. And I started thinking it. So I qualified for trials two years ago and I, it has always just been this looming thing in the distance that I felt like I needed to be at my maximum shape and prove to the world that I'm amazing and all of these crazy things we tell ourselves leading up to it. And so as it was approaching within the last few months, I kept, I kept finding myself saying, I just like, can't wait until this is over and I can move on. And I was like, why are you even saying that? You know, I have come so far in two years to be able to run trials, to be a part of this. I mean, women's American distance running right now is absolutely on fire and I'm in the mix of it and I get to be a part of it. And so I just had to recognize what I was saying and make that shift. And I just had told my, I made the decision to myself that I'm not going to treat this any differently than like what it is. And it's just so incredible that I get to be a part of it. And so I just told myself, this is what we're doing. We're going to enjoy every second of this. And I'm so, so grateful that I did because I had the best time out there and I feel like there's just so much more to come, but it was making that decision to turn off the pressure and turn on the joy and just have fun with it. Yeah. How do you, like, you really were smiling, it seems the whole time. (laughs) So like, clearly you ran a three minute PR, you ran a 233, like clearly you were still working like extremely hard. So how do you smile through that pain? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I don't, I, well, I had made the decision ahead of time. I made the decision before I even left Denver that I was going to enjoy every single second of this whole entire experience, not just the race. Um, but I think that that was just a massive part of my race plan was to enjoy it. And it was just so genuine. Like I just felt, I mean, at at the end, certainly I felt horrendous. My body (laughs) was wrecked, (laughs) but I just, was just soaking it in. And just, I kept thinking about what an amazing opportunity this is. And then I just was so proud of myself because I was sticking to my race plan and because I was, um, staying in it and I was just really proud. And then as the course was so out and back in the, in terms of, you could see where the rest of the packs were and where the rest of the field was, I was starting to surprise myself that I was that far up. Yeah. I wasn't really anticipating being that far up. And then when you see it, you see it on paper, but then when you see it live and you see what that actual giant group of women looks like, that was just such a boost of confidence because I was, and that really was what made me smile. And the fact that I kept powering through the hills, like, like was sticking to my plan that just made me so proud of myself that I was genuinely just thrilled. So, and I was just having a blast out there. Hey everybody, I'm going to take a quick break and steer you toward the video that I did with the Hoka Ane Ane NAS Elite team before the Olympic marathon trials. I was able to sit down with Alephine Tuliamak, Steph Bruce, 
and Kellen Taylor. And I also talked to the men's team, Scott Fobble, Scott Smith, and Sid Vaughn, as well as Coach Ben Rosario, to hear how they were feeling leading up to the race. And I'm telling you, if you haven't watched the video yet, you're going to want to go watch that video because to hear Alphine talk about how she was mentally preparing for the race and what it would mean to her to make an Olympic team and run for the United States. Now that she is an Olympian and she is going to do that, she is going to represent the United States in Tokyo. It is just so cool to hear the things she said leading into it. And the video is super powerful. I'm going to put the link to the video in the show notes of this episode at lindsayhine.com. But right now you can also find it. It's in the uh, profile of my Instagram page. If you go to lindsayhine626, that's my Instagram. And the link to the video is in my profile there. And I want to give a shout out to Inside Tracker for sponsoring those episodes. I've kind of had a dream for a while to incorporate more video into what I'm doing, but uh, it's a big project to take on and it makes me really nervous. So I'm super thankful that Inside Tracker jumped on board to support that. And you all can actually save 15% off any Inside Tracker purchases when you go to insidetracker.com and use the code another and what inside tracker does is they create evidence-based solutions that are simple clear and actionable so when you get your blood work back it gives you all your levels and it tells you what you need to work on what is being optimized and what you can do to work on the things that need a little bit of help for example My iron wasn't too low, but it was in that zone that needed some optimization. So Inside Tracker gave me a clear path to what I needed to do to make sure I was making the most of what I was putting into my body. So go to InsideTracker.com, check out all the different test options they have, and use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your order. All right, everybody, let's continue my conversation with Brittany. Okay, so explain to us the out and backs because, you know, like where I was standing, I saw you guys at miles 1, 9, and 17, I believe, and then we all ran to the finish, but um, I I can't really see what the out and backs look like. So when you did do the out and back, you're saying you could see the lead pack of women like before they, like, did you pass them? What what was that like? Yeah, so they, if we were running like running down peach tree for example i think it was a three or four mile straight out stretch then there was a turnaround and then you'd make your way back up the very street you just ran down okay just on the other side of the street so um yeah like as i was running down peach tree i could see the lead group of women who were making their way back from where i had just come and then obviously when i made the turn then i could see the rest of the field as well um and there were several spots like that throughout the course and on the last loop there was an out and back, um, like turnaround, just like that, that we could see the field, um, out there as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I imagine you were just picking people off at most of the entire second half of the race since you placed 13th, because that pack was just huge. What was that like to pass, you know, you passed Jordan Hesse and runners like that. Was that, were you like, is this happening? Kind of. I had, yeah. So my strategy was to do that. I, uh, so I run trails out here and my trail name is the mountain shark. That's what I call myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just kind of picturing just being a shark and just kind of hunting <laughs> down. Um, but yeah, there was, there was, but I had prepped ahead of time for passing 
very well-known, very accomplished runners. Um, mm-hmm. So in the t- 2018 New York Marathon, I led the race for six miles, and it was terrifying. Because <laughs> I was like, it was my first world major, and then I'm leading the pack on accident. It was <laughs> so terrifying. Like, Shalane's there, dead. Like, and I was like, what am I doing? And do I belong here? This is why, why am I leading this? Um, and so that I had to remember, you know, that's going to happen again. You're going to be among the mix of all of these women that you look up to and you belong there. So you have to own it. So I had prepped ahead of time mentally, like when something like that happens, what does, what do you do? And you just keep going. Um, and it was humbling and, um, amazing and, being out there with everyone. And then when I had passed Jordan, like that was a moment that I had told myself, you, you belong here. You know, this is your race to just keep, keep going. So I had prepped for that ahead of time because I had gone through that in New York and it was, I can only imagine like how surreal it would be if this was your first quote unquote big race. Cause it yeah. would be very intimidating. Yeah. When you, when that happened in New York, were you like, cause you guys are running so fast. So I imagine it'd be hard to be like, can I shift positions here in this pack? Because you can't, you don't want to like accidentally trip Shalane Flanagan. Oh yeah. And I thought too, I, I honestly remember in that race wondering if I had taken a wrong turn and I was like, are we on the right course? Like, why am I leading? And then the, <sighs> the pace car is there. So the camera's right in your face. And I was like, wait, I must have turned wrong. Like we are on course. Did I get lost? Um, and then of course, you know, shortly after it was like, I led for like six miles or something and then they took off. And then I was like, okay, we're back. (laughs) We're back to normal here. Wow. Okay. So at the trials were people, did you know what place you were in when you're finishing? Were there any random spectators like kind of calling out places? Yeah. Luckily at probably around mile 22, I think I remember someone said you're top 15. Mm. And I had known that I was, I, I thought I was probably top 25. Um, cause it, it's really hard to tell I mean, you see the lead pack ahead and it's hard to tell how many are up there and where you're at. But I knew I was in the front chunk of the race, just given that I could see the rest of the field, um, as I was passing them. Uh, but then somebody said you're top 15 and I, that was kind of surreal. And so I just said, okay, awesome. That just was a boost I needed through those last few miles was just keep pushing. And I told myself part of my race plan was keep pushing until the very end. Like it is not over until you finish or you cross that exact finish line. So I just kept pushing and just knew how well I was doing. And that was just such a fun boost to get. Did you, did you get passed by anybody in the last couple miles? Yeah. Sarah passed me. Oh, Sarah. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. And, and what were your expectations place wise going in? So the whole time I was training, I had said top three. I just, you know, I knew that if I set that as the expectation that anything even short of that was a massive accomplishment for me. But I was like, well, I may as well shoot as high as I can. And then if I get that, then great. It's still an amazing win. Um, So I knew that like that was like in the far distance of what I, you know, was training for. So that was out there. But for me, I also it had been two years since I PR'd. So I just really wanted to PR. And I knew that if I just stuck to my plan, I would PR and I would likely do 
well, but I didn't have any expectations in terms of place in the race at all. Cause I knew that if I had set any expectations and if I had not been on those, I would have freaked myself out and I would have gotten really negative. So I, I intentionally didn't set any place expectations or time expectations. I just knew if I did my race plan, I would PR. Um, and so that was, that was really my goal was just, uh, move the needle. It's so interesting because, you know, most people going into this race are just not expecting to PR on this course. And so the trajectory of your running is just a little bit of a different timeline, obviously, because, um, I mean, 10 marathons, you're not new to marathoning, but, um, you know, it's just interesting to think of like Alfie and, and, and all those women, like they weren't trying to PR. And so I'm just curious to know what your thought process is, was because it's such a hard course. Yeah. Um, well, so I ran road to gold last year, the preview race that they did at this exact time last year on, it was pretty much the same course. So I ran that last year and then I came back out in November to run the course again to get a preview of the hills before I really started to get into training. And so I strategically throughout all of my training did as many hills, hill hill workouts, hill long runs, the hardest hills that we have out here. I intentionally did them all during training and I was just feeling so strong on all of them. And so going into the race, I knew that I had all of that under my belt. And I was like, I've already done all the work I know. And I was running the hills faster than I had run like many workouts. So I knew I was ready. And I think I was just ready to put out there, ready to show what I have been working on. I was ready to show off all of my work and especially more so to myself um, and put it all together out there. So it was tough, but I also just kept telling myself I was a beast on hills. That's what I told myself all through training. So I, I was actually kind of just embracing the hills and I knew how to tackle them. I knew how to manage them. So I just kind of knew that I was going to throw down a good time um, this weekend. Wow. I'd love to hear how you shifted your headspace because there's just a lot of work that had to go into those feelings you mentioned earlier of like, I can't wait till this is over to like, I'm going to embrace every second of this. Were you reading certain things? Were you meditating? What were you doing to just finally make that decision that you were going to change? Yeah, I, it, it, thank you for saying it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. And I think that's what I'm most proud of. Um, so I had, recognized the negative thoughts I was having going into the start of the season. And I knew that that was not what I wanted. And I started to, I, there was one book that really made a shift for me and it's called the slight edge. And it's all just about how those little tiny moments add up, which it's so funny because I know that. And I pick up pennies on all of my runs and people are always like, why do you pick up pennies? And it's because these little tiny moments always add up. And so I think it just all, clicked in my head that I knew if I just stayed really consistent and put these little tiny daily pieces together, that it would all come together. Because before that, honestly, like, um, going into Marine Corps and I was supposed to run the London marathon last spring, but I had a back injury. I was looking for that lottery ticket moment. I was looking for that race that was going to put me on the, put me on this running stage of I'm one of the best two. And I was waiting for that just one big 
race to do it. Or I was waiting for that one big thing instead of just putting in all the little work every single day. So I started, um, shifting what I did for my morning routine. So I kicked my day off. I used to watch the news and get going right away on emails and things like that. And I just recognized that I was feeling very flustered starting my day. And so I shifted that we got rid of cable. We got rid of every, all of that. And I just start my day off with reading and coffee and then, um, just kind of carry that throughout the day. And I just, my mantra throughout my entire training was just get 1% better for you today. And so those hard parts in my workout, like, can I push just that one little extra bit on this one single rep? Awesome. Can I do that one more time on this next single rep? And I just kind of let those pennies add up if you will. And then I also built in uh, nightly gratitude into my day. So I, at night, I have a gratitude journal. I just write three things I'm grateful for. And then I also write down what made me laugh today. And that just, I think all of these pieces just have really helped um, shift, shift how I'm looking at things. And then I also had to take a really big step back and look at my career and what I want for my career as a whole do I want to just knock out amazing, have an amazing trials and then I'm done? Or do I really want to have a long career? And if I want to have a long career, then it's, this is just one piece of it. And there's so much more to come, but I can't, I can't give it all right now. I have to like earn my way there and I have to just keep working. So I think it was just so many things that luckily had come together at a, at a perfect time. That's really inspiring. Thanks. It's, it's seriously, it's been so awesome. And my team that I have is just incredible and they're all on board with it. And then I should also add that. So I'm doing all of this work. I have all of these practices and principles. And as I'm telling this, I'm like, yes, I did all these things and that it kind of sounds boring. Um, but I also build in the fun. Like that was something that I had fun in every single run I have daily or I have weekly training themes that I cater my runs to. So that's a massive, massive piece is playing on all of my runs also. So it's kind of just all of these pieces all together. Okay. So when you say themes, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. So, um, my coach gives me on Mondays, she gives me a training theme and it's my job to creatively incorporate that theme throughout the week. And then the next Monday, which is my off day, I, um, create a piece of art that, captures what that week looked like. So this training cycle leading up to trials, it was all people, um, like people that I admire and find inspiring. So my training kicked off with Julia Child. So my outfit at trials had these little tiny pearls on it because Julia Child loved pearls. Mm. Um, and so like I would do, uh, there was a, there's a road here in Colorado called the bacon strip. And so I ran the bacon strip because bacon goes well with pancakes and Julia child made pancakes. Like, <laughs> wow. Just like these crazy things. Yeah. And I had the president's was a theme one week. Cause I love the U S presidents. Um, and just like fun people. And so it really changes up my runs and it gives me something else to think about instead of just going out and grinding out miles. Cause I was also finding that that was not bringing me joy. And so I would just, go create these crazy runs. And, uh, I've just been like enjoying it. So when I'm out there on the trials course smiling, it's cause I've got all of these, this like 
joy behind me that's built into this season. And I'm finally getting to just kind of let it loose out there. Wow. That's so fun because what one of my kids was doing something the other day or he was like, Oh, it was down in Atlanta on the trails. And this is my oldest kid. And he's like laying on the floor in Starbucks. He's so tired. So exhausted from being up so late every night. And this woman was like, don't you wish we could all just do that? Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what you're doing. Totally. Absolutely. Well, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I think I got to a point too. So I was, like I said, I was supposed to run the London marathon last spring and that was my second world major. I didn't have an amazing race at New York that fall before. And so again, I was in my head, I was like, I need to have an amazing race at London. So people take me seriously and they see that I can be a world-class athlete too. And so I was putting so much pressure on myself. I wasn't having fun and that ultimately led to an injury and so after that, my coach and I had to take a step back and say, what, hang on, like, what is, what's missing? And I said, I'm missing a lot of the fun. I'm missing the creative side of it. My, I have this very big creative brain and I was missing it. And so I said, can we build in training themes? And luckily my coach is a, um, an artist. And so she was fully on board and it was, it has been a game changer. I did it all through the fall and then obviously leading up to trials, just building in these playful, fun themes. And it just, like, it just makes such a difference because then you, I'm out there in costumes and I'm out there wearing weird socks. Um, that last windy workout before I left for trials, I uh, asked my coach if she would dress up like a cat and turn it <laughs> on. she did. She was out there with this giant <laughs> cat head and a cat Christmas sweater with jingle bells. And I was just thrilled to finish those mile repeats because I knew that this cat was going to be at the end of my run. So yeah, it's just been a blast. Wow. That's so hilarious. That is so, <laughs> that's so great. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. And so you've mentioned your career a couple of times. Um, from what I'm seeing, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're not currently sponsored? No, not by like a brand. <laughs> okay. So uh, so what does that look like with your career and, and your life? In terms of sponsorships or just? Yeah, like a job and things like that. Like I, know, that. I know you're married. You have a husband who probably works. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thankfully for him, yes. Um, <laughs> so that helps a lot. Um yeah, so I don't. I have this very strange piecemeal life right now. Um, so I am a running coach under my coach's brand. Okay. Um, so that certainly helps. So I coach youth all the way up through adults, um, and then also I. The other key piece to me is that I also do comedy out here. So, um, I'm an improv teacher. Um, I perform out here and then I get random acting gigs that pop up. Um, so between that and racing and, uh, coaching, it's all kind of, I'm somehow making this crazy thing work. Okay. Yeah. And so I wanted to talk about that a little bit as well. Um, for those who aren't following Brittany, she's funny runner 26.2 on Instagram and, I'm obsessed with comedy. It is one of my very favorite things in the whole entire world. Um, I would like to believe I could be a funny person myself. Um, and the thought of doing stand-up comedy is like, it equally terrifies me and equally is I'm like, oh my gosh, that would be so fun. And I, I constantly go through the day thinking of like, 
I'll be like, oh, that would be a really funny bit, but I don't think I could execute it if I were actually on stage behind a microphone. <laughs> oh, you totally could. Um, so talk to us about that part of your life because that is so fun. Thanks. Yeah. I, uh, so I do improv comedy and I do sketch comedy. So improv is, I always explain it. It's, uh, like whose line is it anyway? Okay. I do it a little bit different style of that. Um, and then sketch comedy is like Saturday night live in terms of their scenes that are, it's all scripted out and, um, there's, you know, little short scenes. So I started doing that back in 2015. I was living in Chicago at the time. And so I started studying at second city and the annoyance theaters out there. And just, just because I loved it, I had no grand ambitions with it, but I just, it was kind of like running. I just really loved performing. I loved bringing joy via laughter. Um, so that's what I've continued to do out here in Denver. And I have my own one woman show that is all about my running. And I debuted that out here in Denver in 2018. And I didn't perform last year just because training had gotten so crazy. But um, so I'm hoping to bring it back to Denver this summer. Um, now that I've got a little bit of time. So that's the other piece. And so I to keep that muscle flexed, I teach improv out here as well. And it's so funny. So it completely helped me during this trials weekend, because as, as we were leading up to trials, I was getting so nervous and I knew that I needed to figure out a way to manage it because otherwise it would get in my head just like it did for Marine Corps. And I would blow up in the race and cause I would have all of these false expectations there. And so I started to think about as, as people were texting me and sending me all these messages, normally that makes me feel like oh my gosh, I have all these expectations. Like I didn't know this person was going to be watching. And instead of just taking the messages for the positivity that they were, I was putting, I was using them as expectations and pressure. So I knew I needed to shift that. So I thought, okay, well, whenever, what if I just pictured a, an empty theater, just like when I'm performing and what if every single time someone sends me a message of good luck. I visualize them walking into the theater and taking a seat and they're just here to watch the show. And so I created this piece of art that I did that. So every time someone would message me, I would make a little circle and I would write their name and I would have a quote. And I just visualized myself being backstage um, of an improv show, getting ready to perform and knowing that I've already done all the work and now I just get to go see what happens on stage. And so that was really cool for me to really have like a melding of my two worlds coming together um, that played in my benefits. And that really helped me mentally get through the stress and pressure leading up to the race. It seems like you have such a fun life. What does your husband do? <laughs> I have a great life. I'm like, yeah, I do. It's super fun. Um, my husband, he works for uh, Otterbox, the cell phone case uh -huh. company. So he works for them, but he now we call him a cookier. So he does, he just discovered this unbelievable skill that he has in making sugar cookies. <laughs> so he makes sugar cookies and they're amazing. He made trials cookies for me. It had my logo. It had the Olympic rings and it had Atlanta. He made all these sugar cookies. So like, that's what he's hoping to pursue also is this, uh, cookie world. <laughs> like sell them at local bakeries and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is so amazing. Um, a crazy life. 
Yes. Uh, I, oh, and trust me, I know Outer Box. I have four kids. Yeah, yeah. There's no way I do not have an Outer Box on my phone. Good. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> we, we live by that. Oh, for sure. Um, tell us about your coach. So my coach is amazing. Her name is Jenny Nedick, which is coincidentally kitten spelled backwards. Oh my and gosh. So, <laughs> so I met her. Um, <laughs> she's honestly like been the best thing that ever could have happened. I met her after I won my first marathon here in Denver um, back in 2017. I won the race and set the course record. And I met her at the banquet, the awards banquet a few weeks later. And she had just heard my story. So the night before I won that race, I was in an improv competition called Denver's Next Improv Star. And it was the it was the finale of the show the night before the race. I was in the finale, didn't win. And so I just woke up early the next morning. That show went so late that night, got up and was like, well, I didn't win that. So I could definitely just win the marathon. <laughs> so I did that. And um, so that was kind of the buzz going around about my story in Denver. And she was at the... Um, awards banquet and had chatted to me about that story because she was using it as a no excuses model for some of her other runners. And so we just got to chatting and she invited me on a trail run, which I was absolutely not into because I didn't do trail running at that time. And, um, but luckily I just had asked her if she was coaching any other elites or sub elites or anything like that. And she wasn't, she hadn't coached anybody like that. And so we're kind of on this journey together. Oh, cool. Um, but she's got a background in art and is so on board with just being playful on the runs and not taking it so seriously. And it's just been such a fun adventure for both of us getting to just navigate this whole new world and doing it our way and just playing the whole time. Okay. So how many miles did you peak out at? I peaked at 95 twice. Okay. And what were you doing on average? Um, probably, I was probably sitting around 80 to 85, I bet. Okay. Wow. Okay. I feel like most people running as fast as you are running a hundred miles usually. So that's kind of refreshing to hear. Do you do cross training? No, I don't. Um, I do strength training twice a week with my strength coach. Um, and then I do core work probably four days a week. Um, but I would like to pretend that I do some sort of cross training, but I don't. <laughs> so I just run and then I nap. That's all. You have really muscular arms. Are you lifting hey. a lot? Uh, no. Well, okay. So I have been doing heavy strength lifting only on my lower body, but no, my arms are strictly from just running and wow, from like planks and things like that. But no, I don't do... We, we specifically don't add any upper body because I'm already so muscular up top. So no, that's all just, yeah, that's all just, uh, from running. And, um, I honestly, I, I attribute it to all the Hills that I was doing cause I power using my arms on the Hills. So I kind of think that that's where some of that's coming from, but my, my family is pretty muscular as it is. So I think I've got that kind of in my genes too. Okay, cool. Yeah, as I said that, I was like, oh, we're not allowed to comment on women's bodies. But you know what? You have muscular arms. So I. Yeah, it's like strong, right? Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I was like, is she doing lots of push ups? (laughs) No. Oh, man. Well, this has been just way too fun. And I'm so intrigued by all the ways you've trained for this, both both physically and mentally. And I think that listeners are going to find a lot of. 
just like it feels refreshing to hear how you went through that mental shift and how you approach training and racing with such a joyful heart. Thank you. Thanks. That means a lot because I have put in so much of that work and it, and it was taking a slightly different approach and going at it a little bit blind and just trusting that I knew that this was right for me and that if I just kept leaning into it, it would pan out. So I'm just thankful that it has. And it's just been really fun to share it with everybody and that I'm getting so much support for being kind of that weird, crazy runner uh, <laughs> with a very different approach. So I just appreciated it all. It's just been really, really fun. Yeah. What, what's one thing you learned from the trials? Um, I think it's, I think it is just trusting that, trusting my own approach and doing it how I know works for me. Um, I think I really let myself surrender to that and trust that it would, it would work because I had proven it in training. So why would I shift it on race day? And so I think that that was just a confirmation that I needed that, yep, you did the right thing. You listened to yourself, you listened to your gut and that's how you need to just keep, keep going. Wow. That's so great. Okay. What's next for you? I don't know. We haven't planned anything yet. We strategically left it open just so I wouldn't be thinking ahead after trials. So that's part of my planning this week is figuring out what I want to run next. I'm really, really excited about trail season this summer. I had started getting into trails last year and did really well with having no idea what I was doing. And so I'm excited to put together a fun trail season this, this summer and see what I can do out there. And then probably do another marathon this fall. I, you know, potentially looking at Chicago or New York again, could be really fun just to keep putting that work in there in the marathon distance. But I don't know. I'm not sure yet. I'm going to kind of see what speaks to me and what seems fun. Wow. If you do one of those races, you should be set up to PR again based on I hope so. how hard Atlanta is. Did, did, was it, did Atlanta feel considerably tougher than New York? Um, as far as the, you know, like the ups and downs of the course. Yes, for sure. Course wise. Absolutely. Um, New York, we've got, you know, you got the bridges and stuff, but, um, course wise, absolutely. Atlanta was significantly more difficult, but mentally, no, it felt so much easier. New York was so difficult for me. And I was, I was losing my mind. I was terrified in New York. (laughs) (laughs) that was such a scary experience, but I was also really grateful for it this weekend because I felt like I already had that experience under my belt. So I wasn't going into Atlanta scared. That's really important. Yeah. 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 Like I can honestly, I was, I remember sitting in the technical meeting thinking if this were your first experience with this world, it's, I, it's, it is intimidating and it is scary and you do see all the amazing athletes there. And then there's just so many technical pieces that go into these big races for the elites that it can be really intimidating. So I completely understand if there were people that were feeling out of their element were feeling intimidated because I was there too. And, um, I'm just glad that I had that experience before this weekend. Oh, for sure. It's, it's seeing the sea of, of you all run by, there were so many runners. It was in 
Incredible. And just thinking about the fact that you were the 13th woman to cross the finish line. That's pretty incredible. Oh, it's amazing. Thank you. All right. Let's wrap up with some end of the podcast questions. Cool. All right. What is one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you have not done yet? Um, I have always wanted to run the Antarctica Marathon. Wow. Yeah. Which, yeah. That, that's a life goal. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's an accomplishment you're most proud of? Trials. Mm. Man, I'm just so, so proud of that. Just that all the pieces that we had just talked about that right now, I'm just so proud of that. Keep owning that. Yeah. That should, that should feel good for a long time. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and what's a nonprofit you'd like to support? Um, I don't know. Actually, that's a great question. I feel like I should put that on my list of lists of things to seek out this weekend or this week. Um, I'd love to find something and maybe you have suggestions. Um, I really, really love the youth side of sports and athletics. And I love the conversations that are going on, especially with um, young women runners. I think that there's a lot that needs to continue happening there and also just keeping the fun there early on. I think a lot of these young athletes are getting so intense so quickly that part of what I try to do with my athletes is just keep it as fun as we can. We can be intense, but try and keep it as fun. So, um, if there's something out there that is part of that world, I would love to be a part of that or figure out how I can support that. Yeah. I think a lot of people are going to want to hire you as their coach after this. Cool. Bring them on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Shake it up a little bit. Yeah. If you could have coffee or cocktail with someone fun, motivating, or inspiring, who would it be? Oprah. Oprah. Yes. She's coming to Denver this weekend, and I've got tickets to her tour. Stop. Yeah. And and her guest is Gail. (gasps) I'm Mm -hmm. so jealous. Yes. And I've had um, one of my themed weeks last fall was Oprah week, and it was – one of the best weeks ever. So if I ever got to meet Oprah and just have coffee with her, I would lose my mind. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know what I do before big shows? Like if I'm doing a live interview or something like that, I always listen to at least one Oprah interview before. Right? Yeah. Her energy is just so calming and motivating and, oh, she's just lovely. Yeah. And I'm always like, if I can just get like, one, you know, just the way she listens and in how she, how she orchestrates an interview. I'm like, if I can just learn one thing from her, I I can only assume that if I continue to listen and do that one episode before every big event that I'm going to grow in some way, shape or form. Oh, absolutely. Well, I think you're doing an amazing job. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, what is the best, most recent book you've read? So I'm reading two at the moment. So I always have two books going at once. Um, So like I said, I read a thought-provoking book in the morning, which right now I'm reading The Happiness Advantage. And it's all about how you have to be happy first and then success follows. So that was the book I was reading this weekend. And then I always have either a fiction or a biography or something more lighthearted that I can read before bed so my brain doesn't start spinning. And so I'm reading Scrappy Little Nobody by Anna Kendrick, which is really fun. Um, So those are the two books I'm reading right now, and I'm just devouring them. Love it. I'm I'm the same way. 
I want a fun and I want one that I can just like learn and grow. And I have to have both because in moments of despair, when everything feels crazy, I need an escape. And so that's the fun one. Do you like audiobooks as well? You know what? Right now I have like five audiobooks that I've downloaded thinking I was going to listen. But when I listen to audio, I usually listen to podcasts. So I, I actually prefer reading, reading, yeah. reading. Yeah, I totally get it. I like both. I often read an audiobook on my runs, on my, especially like my long runs. I like to listen to an audiobook because it's a little bit longer. But I, I also agree. I do throw in a lot of podcasts. I should go back and see what books I have on Audible waiting for me because there's a good hand. And I have all these credits too. I'm like, I yeah. should probably cancel Audible for a little while while I catch up. Yes. I, I fall into that too. Okay. I want to selfishly ask, give us one uh, piece of advice for someone into like improv and things like that. Um, so the biggest foundational principle of improv is yes and. And so basically what that means is when you're on stage So you're performing with other people and basically you don't know what is happening. You don't have any, it's all the, everything you're doing is completely made up on the spot. So the principle of yes and is that you take whatever is given to you as a gift and you say yes to it. And then you, and by adding on something else. So you're constantly playing off of each other and you're constantly accepting the gifts. So that is such a great life piece that I use as well is just yes and anything. So, well, you know, within reason, um, (laughs) uh, if an opportunity is there, just go, yep, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it with joy or I'm going to, yes, I'm going to do this pro running thing and I'm going to do it with all of these themes or whatever it is. So that's my biggest piece of advice that, um, I think is so applicable to life that just makes it really fun. I love that. That's so good. Okay. What's your one message to send to the world? Be you and be joyful. Just play. I think life's so short. There's so much good out there. There's so many amazing people that I think if we all, could you imagine if we all leaned more into our joy, like how lovely everything would be. So I think just, you know, don't be afraid, just go and play and enjoy every single second. Thank you so much, Brittany. This has been so wonderful. Uh, Thank you for having me. This is what a great way to kick off my morning on the first day back home. Have you gone for a run yet? No, I won't go for a run probably for another week. (laughs) Awesome. That's so great. (laughs) All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your day, Brittany. Thanks, you too. Thanks so much. Uh Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Thanks. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm going to be bringing you another Olympic trials post-race interview this week as well on Friday with 10th place finisher Julia Conan. Make sure you find Brittany on social media. She is funnyrunner26.2. You can find me on social media. I'm lindsayhines626 on Instagram at Lindsay Hine on Twitter and I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine where by the way we have a group as well and you're definitely going to want to connect with us over there because it's a great community of people in that Facebook group where people can connect and support one another and I have a lot of fun getting to know the people who are in that group if you just search groups on Facebook I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine you'll find it 
Don't forget to share this episode on social media. Tag me, tag Brittany. Let everybody know that Brittany is one to be watching. She's doing really cool things and she's just a really positive, fun person. So let's share the love. Don't forget to check out our sponsors. Go to lilytrotters.com and grab yourself a pair of super cute compression socks. lilytrotters.com. Use the code ANOTHER for 25% off your order of full-priced items. And check out Inside Tracker. I'm super thankful they sponsored those Hoka Ane Ane NAS Elite interviews. And really, I'm just giving them a little extra shout-out because I'm so grateful. Go to InsideTracker.com and use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your order. All right, friends, have a really great rest of your day. And uh, we'll see you again this week for another Olympic Trials recap episode. Have a great rest of your day.